Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor here at Compass Point, and I am back sitting in my normal spot. Uh, today with me is Pastor Paul Eastwood. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good, good, good. Excellent. Ready to talk about Ecclesiastes, oh, Ecclesiastes again. Ecclesiastes, yeah. So we're uh, we're wrapping up our series. It's been a pretty, pretty brief one, but we've had a lot of fun in this book. I think fun is the right word. Yeah. Uh, it's been it's been a good time. I've really enjoyed it. I know you have as well. I know we've heard from a number of people. Do you want to give us just a little recap of uh, what you were talking about on Sunday? Yeah. So what I was talking about on Sunday was really just kind of trying to uh, come to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. And at the end of the book, uh, the author sort of writes this long poem that describes a whole bunch of other things, almost gives a bit of a recap. And then he mm -hmm. ends with those, you know, what we... Um, if you're if you've grown up in the church and you know anything about Ecclesiastes, you you sort of know the end of verse twelve that says, you know, fear God, uh, obey His commands. This is the this is the the chief aim of all, of all of us. And um, yeah, that's the end of chapter twelve. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so that's kind of what we what we sort of automatically think about. But but I sort of went back a little further into chapter eleven, and it it the beginning of chapter eleven kind of has this little uh, section that actually has a lot to do with um, with the way that we invest or the way that we use money, I think, is mm -hmm. is, is probably the uh, uh, an appropriate way to look at it. But in the context of the, those verses, there are three times where the author says, you don't know. Hmm. And, and I think it's important for us to gain a perspective that includes what we don't know. Yes. Because we're in a culture where we know the answer to everything. I mean, if you're in a conversation and you have a question, what do you do? You ask Google Siri. It. Yeah, you <laughs> Google it. You ask Siri, right? So you you we're at this this stage where information is always at our fingertips, mm -hmm. but we know that life doesn't have easy answers. Yeah. And so Ecclesiastes reminds us that there are things that you don't know. And it's almost like he sits down the modern reader and he says, You don't know. And I say, Yeah, no, I do know, but you don't understand. I get this. I yeah. I mean I can I can read the 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 way things are going and I can have a pretty good idea of how things are gonna turn out. And he says, You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we sort of focused on these three areas and we talked about the thing the idea that we don't know how to predict the future. Yeah. We don't know how to do the things that God does. Yeah. You know, you know, we don't know how how to guarantee success and, you know, frankly, avoid failure in life. Yeah. And with those things in mind, I think what we were trying to get at on Sunday is what is the perspective that we can have on our lives with all of this stuff that we don't know in mind? How mm. does that change the way that we experience, you know, the most difficult circumstances and, and perhaps even some of the good things that happen in our life too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like this is just such a timely passage and truth for us right now. Um, if you follow the news at all, you probably woke up this morning thinking about this COVID-19 virus, thinking about, uh, you know, all the models people are predicting what's going to happen next. Uh, the, the truth is we don't know, right? Like, and this is uh, the reality that everyone's wrestling with. We, we don't know. There's people, there's experts who are saying some similar things, some different things that yeah. could be economic disaster, could be, you know, there's all kinds of questions we have. And we, um, it's, it's good for us in this age of having all the answers yeah. to I, I feel like this is actually our lived reality at the moment is that we don't know. Right. And so, so there are two responses, at least that I can think of initially to that idea. So there are, there are some things that we don't know that mm -hmm. we're, that, that get us a little bit off kilter. So what do we do? Either we curl up in a ball mm -hmm. and decide I'm not even going to go outside. Yep. Or we, we recognize that we don't know that we can't control it. And we take steps confidently in whatever direction we're going. And I think that's what the author gets at in this passage you know, he talks about this idea of like, don't play it safe. 
Um, be generous. Uh, open. Be have your hands open rather than trying to you know tightly close things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talked about some of these ideas of you know don't worry about the what ifs. Take steps when you have the opportunity. Don't just sit back. Just take those steps when you have the opportunity. Yeah. And the other thing I think is is important too is don't put your eggs all in one basket. Like, mm-hmm. don't make your one plan for you know solving whatever issue that you're focused on. Uh, be the only way that that is either it's going to work or you're going to everything is going to go haywire like when we put our focus sometimes in those kind of things thinking that we can achieve success just by our own planning um, oftentimes we find ourselves in places that you know it's just it's gets even more confusing because things fail yeah and that's it's really interesting and almost counterintuitive advice these days i feel like so much is telling us in a world of options and choices, what we need to do is specialize as much as we can. Find that one thing that you love, find that one thing that you're good at and just do that, only do that. And yet we, like I look around and I'm like, oh no, that doesn't work. Um, but but I think I think we can see that intuitively. Like yeah. even, so something like sports, right? Sometimes we get, you know, when, you know, as parents and there's, a, you know, in our area, there's lots of competitive sports and people involved in different things. And so when you become solely focused on this one thing, this one outcome, like mm-hmm. your child getting better at a particular sport, all of a sudden, you know, y- you start, uh, things start coming off your calendar that aren't you know, whatever that sport is related, right? So it's like, well, I can't do this because I've got to do this, or Mm -hmm. I can't do that because I've got to do this. And all of this happens to be the singular focus. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing is that when a, when an arm gets broken or when something happens, then all of a sudden your world comes crashing down because you don't have a a backup plan. There is no plan B. And I think, you know, this, this, there's this one verse in this passage that I love in chapter 11 that talks about, you know, sow your seeds in the morning, and then at the evening, let your hands not be idle. Hmm. And and one of the, in the way this is interpreted, because as he writes down earlier or later on, it says you're not going to know what's going to be successful, either this or the other. So there's this idea that both of these things are two different things that this person is involved in. And I think of ourselves, especially as Christians, we should be able to get this right in the hmm. sense that I have a job that I do during the day, but I have a, a Christian faith that I'm paying attention to all the time. And yeah. so it's like I'm, I'm focusing here for the hours that I'm here, but I'm also focusing here for, you know, for other things. And so there's this dual focus at, at the very least. But I mm-hmm. think it's even healthier to have a broader focus. Yeah. And it, it's taking taking Christianity from one of the one of the arms that represent us. I don't know. It, it, I, I have this image in my mind of the movie. Um, we talked about it inside out. Yes. Right. So the, there's these islands on Inside Out yeah. that they, they go to and they go to like Friendship Island and Family Island and things like that. Yeah. And I feel like some of us live like we've got like Jesus Island or like Faith Island, right? Yeah. Like it's one of the things and that's not, it's no. not what we're called to do. No. Um, faith is not a part of who we are. Faith is like at the center of how we do everything. Sure. And it informs um, it all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is so good. But I think your illustration is a really good one. And if anyone has seen that movie and you have that picture of those islands, um, you know, when we become so focused on success, sometimes the other islands just disappear and mm-hmm. one becomes the primary one. Yeah. And that's not healthy. No. Because precisely in Ecclesiastes, the writer says, you can't control the outcome anyway. Yeah. You don't know. You, you just don't know. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, oh, any, anything else, Paul, as you've been wrestling through this book? I mean, we've, we've spent the last number of weeks here. Um, well, let me ask this, actually. What? Why is it this we've said over and over this is a hard book it's difficult to understand why did we choose to do it Yeah that that's a great that's a great question it it reminds 
See, the book of Ecclesiastes is different because it doesn't give us easy answers. Yeah. Like the book of Ecclesiastes, um, it doesn't sort of wrap things up in a neat little quotable verse that you could, you know, mm-hmm. put up over your, you know, like stitch into a pillow and throw it on, you know, in your living room. It 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 reminds us that there are that that easy answers are not the things that we need to be seeking for, seeking after. Mm-hmm. What we need to be putting our our focus on is God, allowing Him to be the Lord of our life and giving Him, um, you know, control, and also recognizing He's the Savior in our life, that He is Lord and God over all of us. And and so, um, yeah. So it, it the book of Ecclesiastes. Maybe, I, I, maybe let me back up. The book of Ecclesiastes doesn't have easy answers. Yeah. And so, in a time and in a place where our lives often don't have easy answers. Mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes is a book that we can go to that's like, it's sort of, it's comforting on one sense because it's like, yeah, I can relate to this. So it, it causes us to dig a little deeper to find out what it is that we can, how we can use this to to change the way that we perceive our circumstances. So if, if Ecclesiastes doesn't have easy answers and offers us this unique perspective, do we see the same kind of thing in the New Testament? Um, do, do New Testament teachings and books uh, like, do they move beyond this kind of nuance into like clearly Jesus is the answer or do we still live in this kind of uh, what we often feel like is this blurry in between where we don't know? How, how does it work post Jesus? Well, the writer of Ecclesiastes says that life is Hevel, which is a mist. It's mm-hmm. a fog. It's a bit disorienting. It's a bit confusing. It's a bit unclear. You can't grab onto it. After Jesus, I almost think about when I was at camp, um, I remember when I woke up in the morning in the summer and it was really foggy out. I almost, I, I kind of got into the habit of recognizing that r- like a, a really thick fog in the morning means that we're going to have a really sunny day. Hmm. I, I'm not sure the physics of it. And I don't even know why. But when the sun came up, what would happen is the fog would all burn away and the sun would, would become just that much more brilliant. Yeah. And I think the person of Jesus entering into our lives as Hevel is the light that just clears away that fog and okay. actually adds clarity. So I would say that there is that the the writer in, in Ecclesiastes could only hope for a savior. He didn't know the savior. Yeah. He could only hope that the he could put his hope in what he knew that God was he knew that God was faithful. He knew mm-hmm. that God gave gifts. That's one of the things that he could he could say pretty clearly. But he he didn't picture Jesus. And so I think the New Testament is different in that sense, in the sense that, that you know, Jesus does clear away the fog. Jesus does provide an answer, and he actually makes a path through. Now, having said that, when Jesus meets with his disciples before they, you know, before his crucifixion, he says to them, in this life, you will have trouble. Troubles. And so what he's saying is that, yes, I am the answer. Yes, there is there is clarity now because of Jesus, but your life is still not going to automatically go the way that you think it should go hmm. or, um, you know, the way that you want it to go. Yeah. So we're kind of, we know the sunrise is coming, but we're still, and there are moments we see it shining through, but we're still kind of in the, in the morning fog. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah the, the, exactly. Like, and, and I think that the, again, so we still have just as confusing lives today yeah. that they did thousands of years ago in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh-huh. The difference is that our hope is secure in Jesus, and we know the end of the story, okay. um, and and I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think if the writer of Ecclesiastes wrote after Jesus, he would have something different to say. Okay, I don't well, know what that would. Yeah. I think I think he would he would still 
have the same outlook on life in terms of that, that, you know, kind of lessons learned through experience. Mm -hmm. But I think that there would be a more positive note at the end when he, when he perceived the future and, Mm -hmm. and Jesus and what he's done for us. And this is one of the things I think we have to wrestle with, with the book of Ecclesiastes. This teacher is, is not only like dealing with the tough things of life, but he's cynical. He's, um, I mean, sometimes I think he's wrong. Sometimes he he overstates and he's too, he he lacks the perspective that we should have with Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we are, um, we will never lose that perspective. I think this part of following Jesus is sometimes we forget. Sometimes we lose it. um, And and sometimes we can get pretty cynical and and pretty depressed even. Um, and, And that's, it doesn't mean we don't trust Jesus, uh, but it means maybe we need to refresh our perspective a little bit. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I think I think one of the things that you know we've said at the very beginning as we talked about this, remember the way that we're looking at Ecclesiastes is two authors. Mm-hmm. So the one author who sort of, be, well, there's one author and one teacher. There's two voices. Yeah. The author is, is allowing the teacher who is cynical and who is wrong at times mm-hmm. He allows that person to speak because he wants the uh, he wants the teacher to deconstruct all of the ways to find pleasure and purpose and meaning apart from God, mm. and so so there is there is a sense in which the um, I think the author would have more to say at the end if post Jesus, uh, whereas the teacher may still have that same perspective. Right, right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, Anything else as you've wrestled through this book as as we have uh, as we have dug in together um, let me let me ask this were there parts that you skipped over that you thought oh no this is too hard I can't possibly teach this or I don't quite <laughs> know what it's saying or yeah well we we decided to teach Ecclesiastes as a whole book yeah. almost every week yeah. um, so it wasn't that we were sort of picking and choosing in that regard but having said that if we there are some chapters in the book of Ecclesiastes that get pretty difficult mm-hmm. but I think they're only difficult in isolation hmm. and I think I think the clarity in the book of Ecclesiastes comes when we look at the book as a whole yeah because you know sometimes preachers will will divide up the book of Ecclesiastes into chapter one chapter two chapter three you know this week we're gonna do this 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 yeah but the the issue is that you don't come to the conclusion until you look at the bigger the whole picture. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's these there's these clues with what we talked about last week, these carpe diem passages all the way through these seven points where mm-hmm. it comes back to this idea of remember what God has given you, and God has given you a gift, God has gifted you the day, God has gifted you your hours, you know, all that stuff. But having said that, there is no full answer until you get to the end. And so if you were to go one one week by one week, there are some places where you could really get tripped up. Yeah. But the reminder is that nothing apart from God is going to bring us the pleasure and purpose and meaning that we expect it to. Not our money, not our careers, not our, you know, not our families, not not even wisdom in some ways. So like all mm. of these things are kind of lined up together in the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. To paint a pretty pretty dark picture, but actually a very encouraging one too. Hmm. You talked this week, uh, coming back around, about this gift of not knowing. Um, it's not only like a reality we have to accept, but it's actually somewhat of a gift. Yeah. Uh, is that fair? Yeah. And, and and why? Like, why is it a gift? I mean, I look at my own life and I think knowing things usually helps me. Self awareness is a good thing. You know, thinking that I can control things, I feel like I can do it. Why? Why is not knowing a gift? Well, there is some. There is a deep contentment that comes when we are putting our trust in 
in something else, something beyond ourselves. The more, uh, the more that we know, and perhaps, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't know this to be true, um, generally speaking, but I wonder as, as we get more and more information as a culture, there becomes this, this deeper and deeper sadness. Hmm. And, and I, and I wonder if, if the, if there's a correlation there, because I think that, uh, the more information that we have, the more time, the more we feel completely hopeless when we come to something that we don't know. And so, you know, when someone loses a son tragically or, you know, something happens, when you look at that, there, there, there's just this, um, there's this despair because it's mm-hmm. like, I can't figure this out. And, and I think that, that there is, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not anti-intellectual. I think we should be fighting to, to learn more and to, and to understand more and to use science and to figure things out and to dig deeply. All of those things are really, really important. But there is a joy in not knowing, not being able to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. I have a friend of mine who's a who's a um, uh, a physicist and just a brilliant, brilliant guy. Hmm. He knows enough to know that there are certain questions that are just unanswerable. You hmm. know, from the, okay. when you think about the design of the universe and all of these kinds of things. And there's a piece about him because he he recognizes he can do all these calculations and figure out string theory and try to figure out all these different you know um, theoretical physics uh, sort of uh, um, constructions. He can kind of work through all of these things, but there's a piece in knowing that he doesn't have to you know put it all together. Yeah. Someone who a scientist you know who may know a little less, who's really fighting to get an answer to one particular thing, that can become a very frustrating process because you're trying to figure it out and you're working at it and trying to figure it out. And, and, um, and I think, I think not like being able to say, I don't need, or I don't know all the answers Mm. actually gives us peace, uh, when we come to the, the, the front edge of, of really difficult things where we can't find an answer. Yeah. So uh, what do we do with apologetics then? (laughs) Let me, let me lob that one at you. Right. So uh, for those who don't know, apologetics is this, uh, this Christian practice and uh, field of study, I guess, yep. be the right right way to say it. The, around like some of these hard questions and why we should believe in God, and um, you know, I, I feel like some people would use use Ecclesiastes and this like this idea of not knowing to be like, well, that that means I'm an agnostic, right? Like I yeah. I, I can't know if there's a God, I can't know if he's good, therefore I'm going to throw my hands up and I don't I don't know. Um, yet I I'm not hearing you say that's what we should do. No. So where's that where's that line? It's so when it comes to apologetics, uh, there's there's a lot to unpack there. I think I think there's there's different ways of seeing apologetics. On one sense, a lot of times for people, it, it, we have this idea that it's like the traditional version of apologetics, where you know I lay out the facts and prove that there is a God, or I, you know, mm-hmm. like all those kind of things. Your arguments have been crushed, and I win. Yeah, and and another there's another when you actually think of what apologetics is, apologetics is really a defense. Mm-hmm. And so I think that all of us should be pursuing apologetics uh, in the way that we communicate with people and defend our faith to the people that are around us. It doesn't necessarily have to follow that classic pattern where we sort of, you know, have the most clever argument, yeah. but it does, we do need to be clear on what we believe. 
And so I think that even the classical apologetics and reading those books by, you know, the Ravi Zacharias's of the world and people like that is incredibly helpful for us uh, to continue to, to lean into our understanding of the world around us. Mm-hmm. But I think even as we do that, we can study those things, but still have this broader picture that there are some things we don't know, right? Yeah. Like, I, you know, even if I, even if I can, you know, uh, prove that, you know, some of the things that happen in the Bible actually happen exactly as they were said and all of that kind of stuff. I still yeah. can't predict the future. I still can't, I'm still not God, yeah. you know, and I, I still can't guarantee success in my life. And so as long as we keep those bigger pictures in mind, I think we always need to be pursuing more and more information. And if you're bent that way, like if that's kind of the way that you're wired, then I would say like, fill your boots. Just hmm. that's, that's important. It's um, yeah. Yeah. Any closing thoughts on Ecclesiastes, Paul? Well, Ecclesiastes uh, ends with that, you know, very clear call uh, to recognize God's lordship in Mm -hmm. our life, uh, recognize that he's savior and recognize that he is the Lord who leads us and guides us. And so it talks about fearing him and keeping his commandments. And with that in mind, I think that's where we need to close the book of Ecclesiastes to remind ourselves that, yes, we don't know a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, there are lots of things that happen that we just can't totally figure out. Yes, we recognize that life is sort of, you know, it's not easy to grasp onto. But in the end, what is important for us is that we fear God, that we recognize him as as the Lord, and then uh, that we obey him and keep his commands. Awesome. I love it. And I'm looking forward to hearing where we go next on this coming Sunday and yeah, uh, yeah, what's coming in the future. Thanks for listening along to Postscript this week. If you have questions for us, if there are things that you have thought of that we didn't get into, we would love to hear from you. And uh, we will be chatting again next week and hope to have you there.